Welcome, everybody, to the Apex Sunday podcast. We're hosted by two petrol heads, myself, John Dowsett, and Rob Ross. And this is the podcast that banters and rambles on about Formula One races, news, and events. Let's start with the news. I would say that the biggest news that caught my interest was sprint races that are approved. We have three sprint races in Silverstone, Monza, in Brazil. Practice and qualifying on Friday. The qualifying determines the sprint race starting grid. That's a 100k race on Saturday, which then determines the starting grid for the main race on Sunday. The top three in the sprint race score points, three, two, and one point, which means there's more points for Lewis, Max, Valtteri, and Sergio, and probably not for anyone else for most of the time. And some of the drivers are saying that the advantage of the sprint race is that they don't have to preserve the tires or fuel, so they may be going at full bore. My thoughts on this are, let's wait and see how it works out. But I'm a little wary. It's sort of like when you have a card game, you introduce the Joker as wild to spice up the game, so to speak. And this kind of solution, again, we'll see how it works out, but it kind of speaks to the problems that F1 has. And if you look at the results of today's race, we can put aside the first four because they're playing games, pitting because they weren't worried about anyone else so they could do fastest laps and so forth. We get to Lando as the best of the rest. He's 51 seconds behind, and that's after a race with the safety car. Granted, it was at the beginning. And then from the 12th position onward, they're lapped. And from 16th onwards, they're lapped twice. So to me, this sprint race solution or attempt is just another way to try to spice up the show. It may work, but is it just a band-aid? New rules next year? Even Ferrari saying they're concentrating mostly on next year. What are your thoughts on the sprint race? My initial thought was I absolutely adore it. If you remove the pit stop, which is, I am not a fan of pit stops, you remove that element, and you also remove the element of having to manage tires and manage fuel. And now it's a matter of, I don't have to start with 200 kilograms of fuel in my car. And what is it? That's like a third of regular race distance. It's going to be good. And quite frankly, the additional points to top four drivers, it's going to be that way anyway. So I think that's kind of a moot point. I, I like it. I put, let's see how it works out. I think it shows pure speed and it comes back to, again, drivers that, that qualify really well, don't race that well and vice versa. And so there's that element too. So yeah, I, I like your racing career. You were they were all sprint races, they right? There were no pit races, stops yeah. and all that. Oh, they were they were short races. They were like twenty minute races, twenty minute to half How hour was races. Qualifying done the same way. Same way. Only it's just one session. So it'd be an hour session. You've got an hour to right. qualify. Then there'd be practice sessions and right. then qualifying. And it's interesting because the one thing that you know is so old school because it was i mean my god it's been decades since they raced but you know you have notes for tire pressures and notes for setup that you know for each track and yeah now it's all just on a computer isn't it and they're going to adjust yes. before every race well, even uh, i was watching some super kart racing they have telemetry everything yeah. <laughs> even in super karts you know so it's really changed. Everything's database these days, right? It makes right? me wonder in this race about Valtteri. Valtteri had an issue with an exhaust sensor 
and he was losing speed down the straights. And it made me, my, my first thought was the conspiracy theory thing, which has all become the rage, become all the rage with, you know, the Donald Trump thing and our vaccines and getting chipped. And I was thinking, you know, is, is that Mercedes in the pit saying, mm, we need to keep him slowed down a little bit? And uh, <laughs> I doubt that's the case. But Well, the whole conspiracy nonsense that has just ballooned in the last couple of years, the thing that really bothers me about it, other than its complete idiocy, is that sometimes there are conspiracies, if you want to call them that, little things. And of course, we go back to Renault with Fernando Alonso, and who was it? Nelson Riatori. Riatori. Yeah. PK. Nelson PK Jr. Yeah. yeah. And that whole crash the car so yeah. we can get Alonso yeah. to win. That was just such a terrible thing for the sport. And they banned Briatori and was it Pat Simmons? But, you know, a few years later, they were back in the sport. No consequences whatsoever, but anyway, that's the subject for another day. Uh, the other thing, oh, sorry, outside of motorsport and conspiracy theories, I've mm. always loved conspiracy theories, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it used to be very hard to find them. You know, it right. used to be very hard to find them, but I used to love reading them because I found them so farcical, mm. but so creative. Like there couldn't be anything more creative for me, you know, forty years ago, thirty years ago, to read about conspiracy theories. And now right. it's gotten to the point where it's just ridiculous. And, and I find oh. it amazing that people swallow it. No effort whatsoever, right? I have to talk in news about Milton Keynes. Mm -hmm. I have to talk about Red Bull buying Honda F1 engines. And they're going to be building their own engines next year, quote, unquote. Yes. Yeah, and there's another rumor about Porsche being interested in joining with Red Bull in the future once certain environmental rules for the engines are put forth. But if they're building their own engine and so forth, I have my doubts about that. That said, maybe Porsche will say, there's an engine already built. We don't have to build one. We can pay Red Bull to slip, stick our name on it and go from there. So, But anyways, what were your thoughts on, which, on that? Which is absolutely delicious that you'd, you'd have yeah. Porsche and a Honda engine. Which could very well be the case, but that's you know that's always been in the way. You know, this, the Mercedes engine, the Mercedes engine. I mean, it's about as far as what you're going to find in a Mercedes car that you yeah, can the, ever the imagine. Yeah, the Toyota Supra, the new the Supra is just a BMW with a Toyota <laughs> so, body on it. I think yeah. it's great. I think that's that's what they need to do. And quite frankly, they've got more money. Red Bull's got more money than anybody else when it gets right down to it. And if they're willing to spend that, hooray. yes, they do. They're everywhere. They're in every, they're, they sponsor so many sports. They're just all over the place. They made their money off that terrible drink, I guess. But well, the drink isn't even theirs, is it? Did they buy it from some it Indian was originally from Thailand? Company. Was it Thailand? I thought it was India, but Thailand, India, it doesn't make much difference. They've never even made it. Red Bull is just purely a marketing company. Bravo to them. Capitalism is fine. Have you had it? I tried it once, I think, once or twice. Yeah, once was enough for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that said, I'm, I'm, I'm a water drinker. I don't drink coffee, tea, pop, anything like that. Booze occasionally, but generally water. You think that that's good for Red Bull going forward to have their own engine? I think it's great. I think it could also well, bury them. Are they them. going to be able to share it, like sell it to other teams so they can use it as well, other than their own? Alpha Tori. Do you think there's are any chance of that? It? Absolutely. Because there are rules for engines, and are they technically an engine supplier once they build their own engine? 
Absolutely. I guess we'll see. Absolutely there. If they buy Honda F1, then, I mean, right. yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, all of these teams have run under different names. You know, where, where did Minardi go? Minardi is still in existence. It's just got a different badge on it right yes. now. Yeah, I think they're technically Alpha Tori now, <laughs> right? I think it's all just based on money. They're clearly going to be hauling in the engineers and the tall foreheads that have made this thing happen. And in the past, is, as you know, you and I have noted, uh, typically Honda takes two years to go from zero to top of the podium. They didn't do it this, this time around, did they? They failed miserably with McLaren, but now they've, they've stepped up their game and they have the power this year. So I think that with their engineering team that they have in place, the big question now becomes when the rule change happens and we need a new power plant, are they going to be able to step up to the plate? I think they can. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun to watch. And maybe it'll be a profit center for them. Yeah. It's an ambitious project. I was really kind of surprised that Red Bull was able to persuade the rest of the teams to allow this because right. they're notoriously not cooperative with each other. But it has happened until, I think we mentioned this last time, the 2026 engine rules. Are they going to, they're taking over the current engine. The engine rules are apparently locked. So I don't know what that means for development because whenever they say something is locked, there's always a little bit of unlocking going on, but we'll see. And so in 2026 with this Porsche rumor, and we tied that with Williams as well, we'll just have to see what's going to happen, I guess. They would have to start working on another engine for the 2026 rules. I guess they're just going to find out how they're going to do with their engine development, producing the engine that they have, and see if they want to stay in the engine business, I guess, going forward for 2026. But it's a big project, like creating your own, I guess... They're not creating their own from scratch, obviously. They're just taking over a program. And I just don't know what kind of development there will be permitted for the next few years. Well, I'll say the other thing about Honda, though, is to be fair to them, McLaren insisted on this Concept Zero, whatever they called it, where they basically forced Honda in a spot inside the car where it would, the engine would overheat because there was not, not enough space. And the moment that McLaren got the Renault engine, they had to cut into the chassis to let some more air in and out so they could cool down the engine. So the whole partnership with McLaren just wasn't a good one. Technically, there was conflicting parties going on there. And when a, a team tells an engine manufacturer, this is what you have to stick, this is what you get, and we insist on this, and they tried it and it just failed. So I think it's a failure of both McLaren and Honda for that. Once they switched away from Honda, I'm sorry, away from McLaren, it changed quite a lot, but they should have stood up for themselves a little bit more with McLaren. But these are kind of the stories that we'll get more in depth if documentaries are ever released about it. It's all just kind of hearsay, you know, as far as I'm concerned. The other thing is the Canadian Grand Prix, it's confirmed it's been cancelled. So it'll be replaced by the Turkey Grand Prix. Not too much of a surprise. Another thing I saw, completely a different sport. I occasionally watch snooker. And one of the primary players, actually the number one player in snooker, Judd Trump, he insisted, he said, let's get some current players in the commentary so that we can get some new voices in there. There's nothing wrong with the old pundits. But they haven't played the game for 20 to 30 years, and they're still talking about it. And that's fine. He's fine with that. But he said, let's get the players commentating after they are out of the tournament, for example. And that's exactly what happened because the World Championship's going on right now. And it was good to hear 
fresh voices about what's going on mixed with the older voices. It gave a, a broader perspective. So that reminded me of our thoughts on the coverage of F1. Martin's great. He's been around for years. He hasn't raced in at least 20 years, maybe, maybe even further. Crofty, I have no idea what his background is. I suppose it has nothing to do with racing. Damon Hill's good when you hear him, or Karun. Anthony, they're fine. They're former racers, but you barely ever hear from them. Same with Paul DeResta. What do you think? Do you think they should put more younger voices, more voices that are in the sport, in the commentary as well? It's Anthony, it's Karun, the young guys, even yep. Jensen Button for that and matter. Did have Nico Rosberg this time? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of Nico, but the other guys, they're the people that make sense to me. And I'm afraid mm. that Martin doesn't make sense to me. And the other guys just sound like they're B-level actors and they're just trying to get press and they want to scream and yell and be idiots. I'm not a fan of the rest of the coverage. And the coverage this time was absolutely pitiful and i know i'm getting ahead of the head of the the program here but when one of the major critical passes happens underneath a commercial and they don't come back and show me the pass where i'm yeah it's just unforgivable right well i'm on the f1 streaming service which has no commercials however i must have had to reload it at least 20 times today it just kept stopping it goes red, boxes pop up saying loading. And if you just let it sit there for a long time, it just sits there for a long time. So hit escape to get out of full screen, reload, reactivate the audio. It starts again, over and over and over again. Oh my God. And then you have to scroll forward? Oh, no, no, it, it, start it just the resumes. Or it, it's it's live, live, yeah. So it was just okay. terrible, just... It was the worst ever. And so I looked at different kind of like solutions, like turn off hardware acceleration and all yeah. these things they suggest. None of them work. I thought, well, I watched the MotoGP race earlier on the MotoGP streaming service, and there was no pauses whatsoever. The only thing with that is occasionally the quality of the video drops down briefly, and then it gets better once the stream resumes. Netflix works fine. Amazon Prime works fine. It's just this service, so I don't think it's my connection. It was a very bad experience. I missed a few passes because it froze up so often. I actually thought that the tail end of the races, the coverage wasn't too bad. We saw some more passes. We saw Alonzo going through the field, stuff like that. First half of the race, though, yeah, not very good. qualifying. Don't have too much to say. Ricardo and Stroll were out-qualified. They were out in Q1. Russell was only five one-hundredths out of Q3, which is pretty impressive. Ocon out-qualified Alonso, and Vettel was in Q3 for the first time since Silverstone last year. Other than that, it's just your typical qualifying session, I would say. But now there's a little, there is a little bit of excitement in it now with, with who is going to be the fastest? Is it is it going to be Red Bull or is it going to be Mercedes? Unlike last year where it was, which Mercedes is going to be on pull? Well, we all know it's going to be Lewis. And, and maybe every now and again, Val can pull one out of the bag or they'll let him. <laughs> yes. He did qualify first this time, but didn't translate into the race. <laughs>
Well, he came in with the lap record, didn't he? He came into qualifying with a lap record, and and so there was definitely a level of confidence. He also came in with a pretty ugly attitude. I don't know if, if you, I guess you don't watch any of the pre-show no. stuff, but he just was cutting off interviewers. You know, what do you think oh, really? about Max? And uh, let them talk about them. So you know, people, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, it's sad, but you know, hey, you have to know that at one point in time he had a dream of being a world champion, and it doesn't look like he's going to get that. Yes, up. and he's in a world champion level car. Unfortunately, his teammate happens to be one of the best drivers in Formula One, yeah. so <laughs> probably in history as well. So. And I'm sure in his con- he's got something in his contract that says if he is behind Lewis, it's his job to listen to team orders as to whatever they tell him to do. So if he right. can slow down to keep Max and and uh, Checo backed up, then that's his job. Yep. Checo's job too. And again, we're seeing that we have Max and Lewis doing everything they should and can, and then the other two drivers not quite up to their level. And I'm not sure that Sergio is going to be able to be a factor in helping Max. And I don't think that Valtteri is going to really be helping Lewis this year either. And judged by this race, I'm kind of thinking that Mercedes ultimately will get the upper hand, but there's a lot of races to go. So we'll see. I'm not so sure about that. You know, I, I think that I get the distinct impression that Mercedes is oh, yeah? backing 100% up. like out of their sport. Yeah, I really feel that way. And if that's the case, then anyway, I think that we were going to see a lot more Red Bull wins this year than you could imagine. The actual yeah. race, not much to again, say. I mean, what did you no. think of the incident on the main straight? Again, we have another safety car, Kimmy. I mean, we've seen this before. It looked a little bit different. Usually you see them turn their steering wheel very quickly to pop out of the slipstream, but he just seemed to drive right into Antonio. And it's very rare to see Kimmy make those kind of errors, but you know, it happens from, from time to time. The safety car lasted about seven or eight laps. Lando then passed Perez just after the safety car and again the starts are so key to what happens in the race because having Lando in front of him he immediately was four seconds behind the leading group and then after the first series of pit stops he was 14 seconds behind them. He eventually got past Lando I think in the pits but that's you lose so much time because you can't pass a slower car in modern F1 very easily. So he was out of the race basically because of those, because of that, because Lando passed him. And that was the end of Checo's podium, unless something happened with the three in front of him. So immediately the race started out again with the front three just going far, far away. And I know you, you mentioned last week, this is, you know, common in F1 and I've watched it for, since 1992, you've watched it longer. I do remember the lead car lapping the entire field, for example. It was way worse in the past in terms of gaps, but these gaps are just, they're ruining the races for me. They're just so large. Lando is again the best of the rest. So I'm totally aware that F1 has always been a two tier, but it's almost like there's the top tier, there's the second tier that's way behind, then there's a third tier that's even further behind. 
So that's probably why the race just was was born so overall. What it does is it brings it in line with all other forms of racing, other than NASCAR and IndyCar, which are pretty much spec series. I mean, with the rules that they have, you know, it's not going to be able to be broken up like that, and they're going to focus on other things like how can we get more crashes in. But in Formula One, it's always been that way. And look at a Le Mans race. If you go back to Le Mans through Le Mans through history. It's been this huge, huge, vast difference in speed from the slowest cars to the fastest cars. And the joy of it is watching the dicing, and there's always somebody to dice with. And this was the first F1 race that I've seen in a very long time where there was almost no dicing. And it took me off on a different tangent, but one of the things was looking at at the, the timing sheet and the gap between cars. And the gap between cars, yep. everybody was three seconds apart. Everybody was three se- How can everybody be three seconds apart? Well, the simple fact is, is that with aerodynamic, they have to drive that way or they can't drive. And what a pitiful, pitiful race that makes if you can't even dice with somebody. The other thing that led me down was the path of timing and scoring. And I right. never really thought about this before, but why are they not showing lap times rather than gap? So show me that somebody is doing 121s and the other person is doing 123s and somebody else is doing 127. I would prefer to see that. Sponsored by AWS, right? They have that sort of AWS kind of, it's supposed to be giving the users or the viewers more data, but they just show a little graphic for a few seconds. I don't, I remember they did something in this race. Can't remember what it was though. So there are opportunities to do that. They've got all the data. They should be doing more of that because I think even the younger generation is probably more data friendly as well. They want more information because that's, that's the way society works right now. So we grew up in the time of seeking information was very difficult, as you mentioned earlier, right? Now it's very, it's easy to get bad information, probably not as easy to get good information, but in this case, they have all the information. So yeah, we should definitely see more of a picture of the race because I do find myself asking like, what's going on here? I'll look at the stack. Okay. But you just, it just changes so quickly. There's not sort of, again, I'll bring up I watched the MotoGP race. There was constant dicing. There were motorcycles close to each other. Now I know the nature of the motorcycles versus cars is very different, but even they changed the rules so that the racing is closer and they've succeeded with manufacturers, not by kicking the manufacturers out. So F1 just, for me, they they have to do something to change this because it doesn't matter to me that it's been that way all the, in history. I don't think it'll survive another 50 years if it continues on like this, but I could be 100% wrong because there's so many people in this world that there are so many different interests that almost anything can survive. And mm-hmm. it's definitely got a lot more coverage from that Netflix reality it's show. It's going to transform itself. Yes. I think it's going to transform itself. When, it, when we get the new formula, every time we've had a new formula, it's just a shakeup. It's like, to, it's like playing backgammon and you just put the dice in that little box and you shake it around and throw it out and who's going to be out front? God only knows. And hopefully, hopefully we're going to get a little bit of that and we're going to get the shock of, look, at if, if I told you 15, 20 years ago that you're going to see the slowest backmarking team that is just sort of a rolling chicane as Williams, you'd laugh at right. me. Same with McLaren. And McLaren's yes. coming back and, you know, Renault's yep. coming back and 
but yep, going they to were tops. <laughs> I think the unfortunate thing for me is that I don't get to see what makes these drivers really, really good anymore. Because you see them, yes, you can see them driving the cars fast and they're getting the most speed out of them. But, you know, as Murray Walker used to say, it can tend to be processional and it has been that way for a long time. It did improve for a while, but once they reintroduced the rules where they said, we know that this is going to make it harder for closer racing, but they introduced the aero rules anyways and haven't changed it since a little bit, I guess, from the front wing. But none of the changes have made much of a difference this year in terms of dicing. In terms of performance, obviously Red Bull has improved. McLaren has improved, but the dicing really hasn't. You know, I'd like to see, I think that Lando, again, he's my driver of the race. He's getting the maximum out of that car. He's doing the best he can. He's the best of the rest. And we saw Russell in the Mercedes last year for one race. Can you imagine seeing guys like Lando, Russell, maybe Yuki next year? when he improves and gets more experience. We're seeing Carlos improve a little bit. I mean, it wasn't the greatest race for him today. He was ordered aside for Leclerc. Again, no controversy about that because the results spoke for themselves. So that was, that was okay. But it would be good to see these guys in competitive cars. And we're just not seeing that. And I used to watch F1 through fuzzy signals at cottages because I was so obsessed with it. Look at that Benetton go around the circuit. I'm happy. No longer happy like that anymore, though. I want to see dicing. I want to see better racing. So again, I thought the last half of this race, the last few laps were some of the best racing I've seen this year with Fernando Alonso getting through the field. But other than that, yeah, I was bored for the most part. And this whole fast lap strategy where the top cars, they don't have to worry about fifth place because they're so far ahead that they can go in and pit and try all this kind of things. Have another pit stop, yeah. Yeah, so that if we look at the result, we have Max in second place at 29 seconds back. Of course, he was probably four seconds back because of the, he did that fast lap pit stop. And again, like I said, the first, the best of the rest was Lando Norris at 51 seconds. And then 10th place, we had 76 seconds back from first place. Carlos in 11th, no points, 78 seconds. And then lap traffic from there on. So quite a, quite a gap today. For me, I can look at it and, and having watched it for so long, look at it and get thrilled with just looking, comparing teammates. Makes me wonder about Danny Ricardo and wondering where he's going. Such a promising driver who is suffering horribly in, in his new right. ride. Right. Do you think it's just time? The, the car is just too strange for him or something. That's, that's what they're saying. That's what McLaren are saying as well. It's so hard to say. The, the difference between one car and another seems to be, from what people are saying, just insanely different. It's like changing series. So yeah, it, it's taking him too long to get used to I it. I remember though. you took me to a bunch of go-kart heat races with some of your professional friends who are racers, right? And I remember getting on a go-kart for one of the heats, and I hated it. I hated how it felt. It was loose. I couldn't feel where it was going. I just couldn't stand it. And about four or five laps in, I kind of figured it out, but I still hated driving it, and I couldn't get the best out of it. And then one of your friends drove it in the next heat, and he said, oh, there's no problem. I know he was a professional, so he can adapt better than I can. But to me, it was just I could not stand that car. I hated everything about it. How, how about you? Have you ever had that kind of experience at all? 
go-karts or professionally or? I've driven cars that I, I've driven things I couldn't figure out. Absolutely. But that's not to say they weren't just complete pieces of crap. (laughs) You know, that, that could be, there's also a lot of gamesmanship in in racing. So the the person that looked at you and said, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. It could very well be just crap. And they're just saying that. He he can't suddenly lose his talent. He will adjust and he will come back strong because he's always been one of my favorite and top drivers. And I, you know, we've seen this before with team changes. Only the most extraordinary drivers just seem to be able to drive anything. He's not a Lewis Hamilton. Look at Alonso. Yeah, he's... Look at Alonso is blowing because my he's mind. suffering. He's an old guy and he's coming in and look at he's finishing right beside his teammate. And he finished a second behind his teammate. One, he finished one second. Yeah, behind he his was teammate. saying that he was suffering, and he was saying that he wasn't very good at qualifying and so forth. But yeah, during the race, he just came alive, especially after the pit stop and the change of tires. I agree, though. He's been out for two years, and he hops in that car, and he's already scoring points. That's very impressive. But going back to gaps, like if we look at the MotoGP race. 20th place was 38 seconds back. 10th place was 11 seconds back. 3rd was 2.5. 2nd was 1.9. 5th, 4.2. And 6th, 5.1. I guess I'm just getting used to those kind of gaps, that kind of close racing with factory teams. It's Ducati and Yamaha, Honda, Suzuki, Prilia. I'm getting used to those gaps. And frankly, those gaps are a bit larger than I'm used to for MotoGP. So this is why I'm having this experience you with F1. Watch NASCAR then. <laughs> you should watch NASCAR then or, or IndyCar because they always finish, you know, within hundreds of seconds or, or you know, a half a second of each other. Always. Yeah, but the way they do it is different. And that's the key, right? It's not. I'm just saying, you know, if you, if you, want, if you want to base it on that, then, you know, those are, those are the series you should be watching because that, that's where they've got that debate. Yeah, yeah, that's the racing is different, though. I remember when Mansell went to IndyCar, I had a look. And my first reaction was, why, is, why are they racing on this circuit out in some guy's field? Because... Most of the circuits are, I don't know what they're like now, but back in the day, they were pretty, (laughs) they weren't up to F1 quality. And then I saw that documentary. I can't remember the driver's name. He was killed in a Penske. And just the the entire attitude towards safety that that documentary showed me for IndyCar at that time really, really turned me off. That was a death that was completely unnecessary and was probably foreseeable. And it reminded me of that terrible, was it Dan Weldon? Who died at Texas? Because occasionally what I do is I'll go, I'll say, oh, people. Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go to, I'll watch NASCAR, IndyCar. I'll say, oh, okay, let's give this a try again. You know, I haven't seen it in a while. So I watched a oval race in Texas a few years ago. And before it started, they kept going on about how fast these cars were at this circuit and how dangerous it was. And People were wary of something terrible happening. Five laps into it, someone's dead, the race is off. So I stopped completely watching IndyCar because, again, the attitude was just so... It was that thing about commercial interests over life. Not acceptable to me, basically. Because auto racing is dangerous, we all know that. But the safety measures they've had have really reduced the death rate. 
remember, was it Jackie Stewart saying he, he lost like over 60 people he knew during his career? That's a lot of people. Even in MotoGP, they have airbags in the suits. So when they get flown off the bike, it can help with the impact and so forth. So that's why I don't have any interest in IndyCar at the moment because of those kind of personal experiences with it. It may be unfair, but that's, that's why I don't watch those. If I had a choice tomorrow of going to an IMSA sports car championship race or going to a Formula One race, I know this is the wrong place to be saying this, but I'd be going to the IMSA sports car championship race. That's where I would be You've going. You've always been like that, though. You've always told me, oh, you want to see racing? Come up to Mo Sport with me. Let's watch the motorcycles. Let's watch the cars. You're going to see some great races. And in Formula One, you see the same, I mean, believe it or not, the very first car race I ever saw as a child was a Formula One race. And it was a Grand Prix race at Mosport. And there's dicing everywhere throughout the entire field. There always has been, there always will be. It's just a matter of the matter, you know, the matter of, of how much dicing there is. But in sports car championship, when you've got when you've got different classes, it's just crazy. It's wonderful to watch. And they're long and races coverage. and they're great. The problem is, for me is the coverage, and the television coverage doesn't quite cut it. You've got to be a diehard to watch right. it. It's like me trying to get into, into MotoGP, right. and right off the top watching MotoGP, it's hard for me to get into it just because of the coverage. I'm sure I can Right. You related more to super bikes too, right? Do you have a, a feeling you need to relate more to how they're racing, I guess, or is that still the case? Possibly. Possibly. Anyway, we digress. I'm disappointed with the race. I'm dis disappointed with the coverage. I'm disappointed with the outcome. And as always, there needs to be some sort of a shakeup for me to get excited. We need to go to Spa or we need to, to go to Monaco. We need to go to another track. But this track was a beautiful track. It is. It's a beautiful yes. track. Mm -hmm. I love the, the elevation changes. I wish the race was much better. The next race is in Barcelona next weekend. Traditionally, the circuit that they do a lot of testing on, but because of the COVID-19 situation, that didn't happen this year. So potentially, we could see something interesting, I suppose. I'll be looking to the position five and back to see some interesting races, and <laughs> we'll see how the first four do. <laughs> Alonso and Sainz, they're the two guys, right? And Lando. You know what? I'm putting Lando at number five and... and thinking he's, as long as they keep a car underneath him, he's got that position locked. He's sort of like what Danny was a couple of years ago, where it yeah, was just, you know, he was number seven. There are three teams Yeah, he's, just, he's just blooming. Yeah. It's really nice to see. So oh, absolutely. he's my driver Lando's of the race. Demand. I already mentioned. What about you? Lando. Right. I can't wait till, well, McLaren improves or he, he finds another seat, but we'll see. What about rating of the race? How would you rate this race? How would I rate this race? Yep. Out of 10, probably about a three, two and a half, two and a half. Right. It was very boring. It was very boring. It's interesting how we slightly differ on these things. I'm going to give it my best rating so far. I'm going to give it a five solely because of the last part of the race where they went away from the first four for the most part and they showed Alonzo and so forth doing their thing. It was nice to see that. So that made me happy because usually at the end of the race, like, when is this going to be over? But this was like, how far is Alonso going to get? And he got so close to o o Ocon, so great to see. So I'm giving it a five. And the coverage, I thought, was better too. There wasn't 
too many passes done in the, the stack at the side. Again, I thought at the beginning, not so great, but the end, like I just said, they concentrated on the passing rather than the guys pitting and trying to do fastest laps. That was nice. Thanks for listening and thanks, John, for our conversation. And we'll talk to you next week about Spain. Yes, thank you.